Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Born again to a living hope. What a powerful idea that is. Living hope is more than wishful thinking or an Alice in Wonderland-like fantasy because it is tethered to the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You might be facing the loss of everything in this world, but rest assured, according to the Apostle Peter, the believer's hope is kept in heaven for you and is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Are you born again? Do you possess hope in the living Lord Jesus Christ? I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. Let me ask you, what are you hoping for today? And to what are you clinging for that hope? Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. My name is Brian, thanks for stopping by. And for many, hope is nothing more than wishful thinking. But genuine hope, biblical hope, is something else entirely. What does that kind of hope look like? On what or whom is it based? Find out next as Ron takes us to the book of 1 Peter in his continuing teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Stay with us or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to any of our broadcasts on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, 1 Peter, Born Again to a Living Hope. Hope is something we cannot live without. Let that sink in for a moment. And then I want to ask you, what what are you hoping for today? Uh, Author Hal Lindsey expressed what I would call uh, humanity's desperation by saying man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only about one second without hope. What are you hoping for today? And what are you clinging to as your hope? For many people, hope is nothing more than wishful thinking. We say things like, well, I hope tomorrow is a better day than today. I I hope I get into the college that I applied to. I hope I get the job I interviewed for. I hope my kids turn out well. I hope the doctor gets all the cancer out of my body. And wishful thinking sometimes produces uh, pithy acronyms. You know, those bumper stickers, those uh, social media posts that say, hope, hang on, pain ends. Hope, hang on, peace exists. And word plays like that might make us feel um, momentarily better, but they have no ability to sustain hope in us. They quickly dissipate. And then there's biblical hope. Biblical hope is more than wishful thinking because it has substance. And its foundation is in the truth. Uh, John Piper defines hope as, he says that hope is that part of faith that focuses on the future. Okay, I I, I can embrace that, uh, but I still think Piper's definition is limiting. I say biblical hope is the confident expectation that God will do exactly what he says he was going to do, not only in the future, 
but also in the present. I don't know about you, but I need hope for today and for tomorrow. And so biblical hope is rooted in God's reliable word. That's why we've been on this journey called the ultimate road trip through the Bible, because we, we've been gleaning from it. Hope for today and, and hope for tomorrow. Biblical hope clings to the promises and the prophecies made throughout the ages by our creator. And it gives us another reason to take, well, one more lap of faith because we, we, we cling to the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. Uh, for example, uh, Jeremiah the prophet, when we were working our way through the major prophets, we, we landed in Jeremiah, and Jeremiah, uh, well, chapter 29 and verse 11 is a, a verse that we, we like. Uh, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. And if you remember from our journey through the major prophets and the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was writing to a group of people, the Israelites, who were in Babylonian captivity. They were among the ones with Daniel and others who had been taken out of Jerusalem. and They were there for 70 years. That's a long time. Time enough to lose hope. And in the midst of that, uh, the Lord says through his prophet Jeremiah, I have plans for you, plans for hope and for a future. Jeremiah was writing to a group of exiles known as the diaspora. That may be a new term to you. The diaspora is a term used to describe exiled and scattered Jews dating all the way back to the Babylonian captivity. And that provides a, a real nice uh, off-ramp to our next stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible, which is 1 Peter, because in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, Peter's writing to the diaspora, the dispersion. Uh, he's writing to um, the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadonia, Asia, Bithynia. Uh, the term diaspora evolved over time, and by the time of the first century, when Peter's writing this letter, probably near the end of his life, the immediate audience of the dispersion included Jews and Gentiles who were believers in Jesus Christ, but they were scattered, scattered and dispersed by the persecution of that time in the first century. And so it's important to understand the context and the background here. Peter is writing to people who are experiencing various trials. Later he's gonna say fiery trials. The heat has turned up. The opposition against Christianity was getting stronger even 2,000 years ago, as it is in our time as well. Uh, Peter continues his, his opening and his greeting, and he, he jumps right into the deep end of theology and even into the Trinity, <laughs> Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He, he says uh, to the dispersion, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for the obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. There it is, Father, Son, and Spirit. And then he says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. And then in verse 3, Peter states his thesis. He sets us up for the main theme. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
I, I love that phrase so much, I just borrowed it as the title of the message here. Born again to a living hope. Uh, let me break that down a little bit. Not a dead hope, not a hope that only appears on a social media post for a moment or two in some sort of creative wordplay or acronym. Not a bumper sticker kind of hope, but a living hope. It's living because it's rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ who rose from the dead. Uh, Peter expands on this idea and he, he talks about being born again to a living hope. He uses that phrase born again several times and we'll touch on it more in just a moment. But he goes on to expand on this larger idea of being born again to a living hope and he talks about a living hope in salvation. And then he goes on to talk about a living hope in respectful and submissive relationships. He doesn't just soar up here in the stratosphere of theology. He gets real practical in day-to-day -day relationships and we'll unpack that a bit. He talks about living hope in times of suffering. Again, he's writing to people who are experiencing various trials. Anybody here experiencing a trial? You know, most of the Bible was written to people who are either experiencing trials and difficulties or have experienced them or are going to experience them right around the corner. So it's, it's, it's for every one of us. And then uh, finally, he, he wraps it up in chapter five by talking about living hope as it, as it flows through those who shepherd the flock of God. And uh, let's begin in chapter one where he talks about a living hope in salvation. And again, this living hope is more than wishful thinking, it's more than Alice in Wonderland fantasy, uh, because it's tethered to the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Go back to verse three, he says, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Both Peter and the Apostle Paul understood that if Christ is not raised from the dead, we have no hope, none. No hope beyond the grave, no hope for the future, no hope in the present. But if Christ is raised from the dead, and he is, Peter assumes the fact, he was an eyewitness to it. He was one of the guys who said, I saw the risen Christ. And he tethers uh, his hope to this. Peter goes on to describe the salvation that is ours, this living hope in salvation, he describes our salvation in Jesus Christ, listen to this, beginning in verse four, as an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and fading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Underline the phrase, to be revealed in the last time and at the revelation of Jesus Christ. On Peter's mind is, is, is the return of Christ. He references it a number of times. Yes, our living hope is in the living and real assurance that he is coming again. Still ahead, the second half of Dr. Ron Jones' Something Good Radio message, First Peter, born again to a living hope. 
Listen to Ron's messages on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, be sure to check out Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, a free online discipleship coaching experience created by Dr. Ron Jones. Look for Something Good courses when you visit our new streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org. That's Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, where you'll discover what it means to be a disciple and learn how to help others grow in their Christian faith. In the book of Leviticus, God said to his people, you shall be holy for I am holy. What does this holiness look like? Find out next in the rest of today's Something Good radio message, First Peter, born again to a living hope. But he describes um, our hope and our salvation as an inheritance. I don't know if you're inheriting anything from your family, but that's always nice to you know, learn that an inheritance is waiting for us. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we have an inheritance that is waiting for us. You may be facing the loss of everything in this world. I mean, everything. It can just go up in a puff of smoke, can't it? But rest assured, the believer's hope, he says, is kept in heaven for you. <laughs> the ultimate Fort Knox, the safe place where that inheritance can never be taken away. He goes on to describe our inheritance in Christ as imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. I can't think of anything in this world that fits into that category because everything that I touch is fading. It's defiled, meaning corrupted by sin and the fallenness of our world. It's perishable. The only thing that lasts beyond this life are souls and the Word of God. Everything else will perish except for that inheritance that is yours in Christ, kept for you secured for you in Christ. Uh, Peter goes on there in chapter one to talk about the prophets who searched and inquired carefully into this living hope. Did you get that sense when we were on those road trips to the major prophets and the minor prophets and they were dealing with things in the present but also in the future? He says they searched and inquired carefully about this and then he says this, this is a drop the mic moment. God's grace and salvation is something into which angels long to look. Ooh. What does he mean by that? Well, angels are angels and humans created in the image of God are humans created in the image of God. Human beings never become angels. Please don't say, uh, my, my, my sweetheart died and became an angel in heaven. N no, he or she did. Uh, that, no, angels don't have the same experience. They're not on the same level even of us. We are uniquely created in the image of God and recipients of God's grace. And the angels go, what is that all about? This salvation that we have, this inheritance that is kept for us, undefiled and imperishable and unfading, they're curious about that. Uh, just an interesting little thing that Peter drops in there. Uh, Peter goes on to explain the implications of our living hope in salvation. If you are a possessor of this inheritance in Christ, he says you must gird your mind for action. Set your hope on the grace of God and pursue holiness. To strengthen his point about personal holiness, uh, Peter goes back to the Old Testament book of Leviticus and he quotes the Lord saying, you shall be holy for I am holy. 
I gotta tell you, I, I, I can admit this now, 60 weeks into this series, I thought I would crash and burn in Leviticus. I thought we just, we, we just wouldn't make it. But we, we learned what? We learned to say, I love Leviticus. Guess what? Peter loves Leviticus. He reaches into not Leviticus, but oh, Leviticus, this is great. And Leviticus is that handbook on holiness, right? It instructed the Levites back then as they served the Lord in the tabernacle and all that, uh, how to you know, be holy as the Lord is holy. But there's a, an application for us today too. The standard hasn't been lowered. Now, you are positionally as a believer in Christ, holy before the Lord. You may not feel that way. You might not even act that way sometimes. But positionally, you are holy before the Lord. Practically, well, how close is your practical holiness to your positional holiness? We, we, we need to keep closing the gap in, in the power of the Holy Spirit and, and keep pursuing personal holiness. You shall be holy for I am holy, the Lord says. He goes on in terms of the practical implications of this living hope in salvation to say we must love one another earnestly from a pure heart. He says, since you have been born again. There's that phrase again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. That's verse 23 of chapter one, and, and this is the second time that Peter uses the phrase born again. It's a phrase reminiscent of the conversation that Jesus had with a Pharisee named Nicodemus, uh, recorded in John chapter three. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, a religious man, you must be born again. Let me just cut to the chase. Jesus looked inside the man's heart and saw that, well, he was physically alive, but spiritually dead. You say, come on, he was a, he was a Pharisee, he was a religious man. That's right, he was religious, but he wasn't born again. And you can be here today and you can have a perfect Sunday school record and a, you know, be a good person, and, but you're not born again. Jesus said you must be born again. That part of you that was created to have a relationship with God, well, arrives in this world dead. We're born physically alive, but spiritually dead. We're dead on arrival. Thus, we must be born again. Peter says, born again to a living hope. What that tells me is living hope is not possible unless you've been born again. You, you might have some other kind of hope, some wishful thinking that you cling to and get momentary relief by it, but real hope, biblical hope, living hope is tethered to a born-again experience. And so the question is, have you been born again? Peter also makes a clear connection between our living hope in salvation and what he calls the living and abiding Word of God, which remains forever. So as believers in Jesus Christ, all right, I've been born again to a living hope, but you say, I, I, I've kind of lost some of my hope. Well, maybe it's because you're not spending enough time in the living and abiding word of God where those promises and those prophecies are to give you hope for today and for tomorrow. That's the idea there. Then Peter goes on, uh, this is all in chapter one, he refers to Jesus as the living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. He's drawing some from the Old Testament here. And he refers to believers in Jesus Christ as living stones. 
living stones that are part of a spiritual house he is building. I love the construction analogy here, even as we get ready to move some dirt around our campus here in, in a while. Masterfully, he draws again from the Old Testament uh, to present Jesus as the stone that the builders rejected, uh, who then became the cornerstone to some. And to others, Peter says, he is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And I read that and I think, you know, in some sense, nothing has changed in 2,000 years. People are still divided over Jesus. For some, he is the cornerstone of their life. Everything builds off the cornerstone. And for others, he's still a rock of offense and a stone of stumbling. And they look at the cross of Christ and think it's foolishness. How can some think the cross is foolishness and others say, no, it's the power of God unto salvation? Well, therein is the divide. And Peter acknowledges that. Uh, Peter reminds uh, the exiles and us of our collective identity before God. Now, we have a lot of discussion in our culture today about identifying. I, I identify this way or that way. And we are, we are in a world of mess and just the 5,000 plus years of human history. What a weird time this is. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna resolve your identity issues and our identity issues as it relates to being part of uh, the body of Christ. Because here's what Peter says. Uh, he says collectively, he says you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people for his own possession. That's, that's not only who you are in Christ individually, but collectively as part of the larger body of Christ. You hear me say it often, yes, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but not so personal that you're disconnected from a larger community of believers. That's where the church comes in. And Peter is speaking to that larger community and saying, you as the body of Christ, you're, 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 you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Then he goes further and he dips into the Old Testament book of Hosea for this. As a believer in Christ, you are a citizen, not of earth, but of heaven. As Hebrews 13, 14 tells us, this world is not our home, but we look forward to our everlasting home in heaven. You're listening to Something Good Radio. Today's message, 1 Peter, born again to a living hope, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand on your schedule at somethinggoodradio.org. Check out the Something Good digital library with more than 500 hours of Bible teaching from Dr. Ron Jones to help you in your journey with Jesus. That's somethinggoodradio.org. The power of prayer is undeniable. And today we'd like to pray for you. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime and share your request with us. Click on explore and then scroll down to the how can we pray for you option. That's somethinggoodradio.org. We also want to say thank you because your prayers and financial support make it possible for Ron to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you give a gift today, we'll send you an ebook that goes along with the series you're hearing, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip to the Bible. This special resource covers the general epistles and the book of Revelation. Request your digital download today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. 
Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. And you can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. There may be somebody who comes to you and says, I don't get it. My hope evaporates as quickly as I, I, I get a little dose of it. Why do you have such hope? Do you have an answer for them? Can you give an answer for the reason, for the hope that is in you, that living hope uh, that is tethered to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? That's next time in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, First Peter, born again to a living hope. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying so long and thanks for listening.